Let's do this. Beautiful human animals, welcome to the table for fun, health, and more. We'll dig into behavior and living right with some laughs and hopefully a little insight. This is Better Health and World. I am Matt Crocomo Jr., a credentialed writer and personal trainer, exploring how to maximize every day of the human experience at Matthew J. Better. And I'm here as usual with my fellow health enthusiast, also our resident MMA historian, Joe Neubauer at Joe Knows MMA. How we living, everybody? Hear him and me, and usually our missing table mate, Gabrielle Tambowen, also our in-house nursing student at Gabby underscore T. We all do the Better Fight cast for you rookie fight fans and seasoned vets of the purest, bestest sport you can follow for your tightest coverage of the UFC and all things mixed martial arts. Again, that's Better Fight cast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Now, let us dig into the purest, bestest, everything and anything else right after this word from the legal department. Although Matthew Gogobo Jr. is a certified personal trainer, he is not acting in this capacity on this program. All information presented here is strictly for educational and entertainment purposes. Furthermore, should he reference another person, program, or piece of literature, he is not necessarily endorsing every position or opinion that anybody might represent. Please consult the appropriate medical professional before making any serious changes to your diet or lifestyle. Boom! Thanks, Legal. Uh, a few things we can get into, uh, living, living the Nutribullet lifestyle is, uh, taking a, taking a slight turn for the slight dangerous, depending on how concerned you are about the class action lawsuit against that company, which I am not really, but I still like to be safe. Also, go, was going through some old journals, uh, about when I was quitting nicotine a while back. And it's just the you know how that affects the brain and your mood as well as your physicality. I mean, the way that the things that we put into us affect our brain and our temperament is what really fascinated me about the whole nutrition game in the first place, and really got me thinking about how these things hijack our thought processes without us even realizing it. And I I really remembered exactly like nicotine is one of those things where when you when you when you are addicted to it and you don't have it you get cranky and you get mad and things get you mad and you don't you don't realize that there's a chemical helping you because it just feels like a legit reason to get angry so maybe we'll revisit that in a bit and then uh, if we get to dessert where we talk about the fun stuff once all the healthy health talk is done and we move on to examining cultural reflections of humanity and I'm certainly authorized to talk of such things in school. I was a columnist for two publications, a thrice-published poet, and the entertainment editor for my high school newspaper. And on my own time, I've written screenplays and directed film shorts. I can certainly talk shop, especially when it comes to movies. And I saw Steven Spielberg's latest opus, epic, whatever you want to call it, Ready Player One. Uh, I was pretty, I was pretty, pretty satisfied. Uh, we'll we'll uh, get to that later, most likely, also. But first, how we living, everybody? Even though it's just um, us here. Every two of us. Well, this week has been a terrible week as far as my eating goes. Yeah. Um, exercise has been pretty good, but eating... Nice. But it, it, it's like, it's not yin and yang. It, mm. It's the two... Well, it's a balance, but not the balance you want. No. It's, it's a balance it's a of very bad, bad and good. Balance. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely good meets evil. Um, like, I'm talking like, like the eating is just not... I mean, it's not all bad, but like when it's bad, it's bad. And it's not good. Um, I feel good as far as energy, nice. but as far as like my mind, I'm, I've, I've been trying to trigger lately the past couple of days because I've been eating particularly a lot of fried food the past couple of days. Yeah. Um, today, uh, you know, I woke up. I had a whole day planned of activities, stuff to do from top to bottom. I had my whole day ma- mapped out, and it included, of course, the person that's missing at this podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. Gabby underscore T. Well, she woke up with some type of stomach flu. She's so selfish. Can't can't get off the toilet. She's throwing up everything. She can't even have a sip of water without throwing up. So, nice. obviously, she's been in bed with crackers and ginger ale all day. Mm. And I had to pick up all the other responsibilities. Like, um, got up two hours earlier than I wanted to because I really banked also. Um, 
I'm really big on sleep. Mm-hmm. As I think getting enough sleep every night is a very important. Yeah, nothing for else your matters health. as much as that. The food you eat, the workout you do, you got to get the sleep first. I genuinely feel like if you let your body rest and you get enough sleep for your brain and your body, it just. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most important things. Um, lacking on sleep is I had to get up and obviously take her uh, take her son to school. Um, He's so selfish. Take care of the other one who was four. Make her breakfast. Now, it was easy watching her because she at least went in with her mom and she wanted to just be next to her mom. She's like, give me the contagion, please. She was able to, I think she gave gave the contagion to her. her, She's immune now. It's been a trickle-down effect. Started with the young boy. Then the young girl got it. Now the the mom got it. They're looking at me next, but I am doing everything possibly... Everything within my my control to not catch whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah. I've been staying away from that bedroom. I haven't even been walking in there. I'm just taking my clothes and throwing it. Yeah. I'm not even going in there. No I got spores for me. Blankets. In the, you can even see in the corner of that room, I washed about eight blankets today. So I have a blanket set. I'll steal one pillow off of this couch down here, go upstairs, and I'm good for the night. I'm not even going. I'm doing everything I can because I don't think there's anything worse than the stomach flu. No, it's debilitating. I mean, there you can pick some stuff here and there, but it's hard to try to – it's not the same as a headache. It's almost like a sinus infection. Like it's a similar thing where you're just you're just done. Yeah. You're just at you feel it at your core. You are hollowed out. Everything's there ain't no miserable. core there. Yeah. So yeah. So of course that put. Luckily, I got half of the cleaning I wanted to get done today. Of course, when the other person that would be next to your side had to skip the workout I had planned. And then, of course, for dinner, I had a nice, healthy meal planned, but never got time to go to the grocery store and only got half the, the, the house clean. So, of course, I ended up in a drive-thru to pick up dinner for the family on the yeah. way to my brother's house because Gabby is sick and obviously there's something in the household. We had to change even dinner arrangements at a different house as I was supposed to host it tonight. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a mess. So, of course, I go and I refrain to deep-fried chicken, and I just ate it about two hours ago, and right now I just feel like a bucket of slop. It's the convenience, yeah, you feel like the nasty grease at the bottom of that bucket of chicken. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that. So it's it kind of messes with my mind. I think my eating habits have controlled, I don't want to say a full-on depression. I'm not there. But I am but a little bit more. You can still feel more, it chemically getting to your brain yeah. and making you feel just kind of sluggish and dumb or sluggish, whatever. dumb, that temperamental. Food really does yeah. make you prone to depression. I, I, I cannot, I cannot. I've, I haven't been a model citizen either. Uh, I've been balancing mostly healthy food, but with enough non-healthy food to make me avoid looking at myself in the mirror. And that's something uh, you know. Well, like I said, I'm trying to really make it my lifestyle and step it up and get used to just, just get used to just being that, that weirdo. Like almost like you have a medical condition when you're hanging out with people mm-hmm. in most cases. You know, timing the, the cheat meal carefully so that you don't need to do it too much. But, yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm tired, well, I, I'm tired of feeling that crap affecting the brain. And, and that's it sucks because, change. I mean, I can, I, my body is naturally prone to staying in decent enough shape without having to work at it too hard Mm -hmm. so it can be easy like once you get a little bit of progress once you feel a little bit of good then you slack off a bit and it's just we're just we're cyclical well here's the thing you know something's wrong when you're avoiding the mirror when you're avoiding yeah. the scale, when yeah. you will do everything in your power to well, go I wasn't literally avoiding the mirror, but based, but you know, I'm not happy with myself. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do look in the mirror. Actually, I almost said like, you know, that makes me look take a long, haunting look in the mirror, but I actually haven't just because I'm too damn busy to look in the mirror, which is p- part of why I have not been eating like a model citizen as much. I've been socializing too. It's been a very social Hard. week. It's the the stars have lined up this this week where this is my fourth night in a row or I'll be up later than I planned. Well, I guess technically last night I had made the plans, but other otherwise it was like impromptu somewhat impromptu things, catching up with people, you know, whatever. And uh I haven't been eating as bad necessarily because of it because I haven't I've been more focused on the social aspect mm-hmm. and I don't really drink too much. And uh, I try to stick to the drinks that aren't as sugary. I go more for the liquor and club soda as opposed to the beer. But there has been some beer. 
uh, it's hard. I mean, that's my drink of choice. I mean, I love it. I love the taste. Um, but I'm trying to give beer up mm-hmm. indefinitely. Really, I, I wouldn't go too far. I don't know. I just want I, you know. Once you but once you adapt your palate, if I can kind of just. Uh, just like the drive-through and but you the fast love beer, food. right? Like you just said it. Well, I still have. It. I'll incorporate it into a select cheat meal, and I'll mm-hmm. time it during okay. the right part of the day, especially you know around workouts and stuff. So I was going to say, forbidding if, yourself from something that you actually love. Well, I'm not going to forbid be, myself from anything, but I'm yeah. just going to forbid myself from it being something that is daily, regular. Well, not even. Oh, it's not daily. It hasn't been daily or every other day. Yeah, I mean, since I was, you know. Uh, college student mm-hmm. you know i don't think i've had beer daily since then and i was living the lifestyle my alt frat boy lifestyle you know all pseudo intellectual community mm-hmm. college yeah i used Red to drink a, a house lot of with beer dudes in annapolis lifestyle it's you know used to drink beer a lot of beer actually i only had a few years where i was a beer drinker really i was always liquor um i've been i mean it's cycled through but i've now changed it's, it it's so many different i things. don't i don't I mean, I do I, I do appreciate liquor, but I don't like the taste of it like I do the beer. And part of it is because beer is a lot more sugary. I mean, it's a it's the carbiness, mm-hmm. and that carbiness is going to be biological. I always felt like it was addictive. just so heavy on you. Yeah. The next day, I would woke up, wake up, and just feel so just heavy. The hangover I felt was longer with beer. Yeah, than than with liquor. Like with liquor, the, the, I felt the, like with it the just... liquor hangover though. Maybe it's because liquor is a lot easier to drink more than you realize. Yeah. I just remember, I haven't had a liquor hangover in a while, but I remember the, the liquor hangover just feels the most, I don't know, violent in your soul. Like, it just, you'd feel the most bent. They're all pretty bad, I guess. A raging wine hangover can be pretty debilitating, too. Well, you know what? Liquor doesn't while. make me, um, don't want to get gross, but liquor never made me throw up as much as beer did. Okay. When I drank too much beer, it's like you have all that liquid yeah, there's inside. there's a lot more it's stuff like going on. It has to come out. There's a lot more yeah. stuff going on, yeah. Last couple times I drank beer heavy, I got sick. Yeah. Where I can drink liquor heavy quite often, I don't get mm-hmm. sick. Because um, my only problem is now, like, I got drunk last Friday night, and that's this is a rare thing for me. I just don't drink like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but me and the girlfriend went out to, you know, went out after work. We went to dinner first and then went to um, Dave & Buster's like we usually do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize it, but within that span of about two, two and a half hours, I had four Long Islands. And because yeah, I had two at the restaurant, you can get anywhere pretty much. And then I had two at the Dave and Buster's. And by the time I got to the Dave and Buster's, after that third one, you know, I already had two before. Like I, I just didn't have the right frame to say no. I was already mm-hmm. feeling too good, yep. and I wanted one more drink to walk around with as we had one hour before yeah. the place closed up. So yeah. I killed it, and I didn't really feel it until I got home, and I was like, oh wow, <laughs> I'm really drunk. And then I woke up with a hangover the next morning, and was like, yeah. And that's not even, I mean, that's about one-third, at least, what I used to drink in my heyday. At least. Yeah. I mean, I used to drink a lot. I've been there. I've been there. Good old college. Even if it was community college, we still made it count. Oh, yeah. I haven't, but I, like I said, I haven't really had an issue with uh, hang being hungover. More, it's about, the, the bigger concern is sleep. I've been staying up pretty late these last few nights. And I mean, it's worth it. I mean, we, you know, we can get into like balance and all that too. Or, um, but uh, you know, the, uh, I'm worried about the sleep. And I haven't. I've still been getting decent sleep, but I end up sleeping later. And if you're up till three or four and you sleep till eleven, it's not the same as if you got that same amount of sleep. You know, backed up two three hours. It's mm-hmm. just you know you're more in tune with the earth and circadian rhythms and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And some people's biology is predisposed. Sometimes, sometimes people's bodies are just not, not everybody. Not everybody necessarily is meant to wake up at six and go to bed at ten or, not or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it might be just because of the the jobs that we've had uh, mm-hmm. for the last half of our lives. Yeah. But even even that aside, there are people who, even though they haven't cultivated that lifestyle, their biology still just makes them prone to being a night person. Like some people mm-hmm. are fine. I feel like I can't tell if the if I'm a night person because of the lifestyle that I've cultivated in the career and everything, or if it is biology or whatnot. I do like I definitely don't need to be sleeping till eleven. That's something. I mean, and like I said, as far as balance goes, I'm 
glad that I was able to do the things I did the last three days. Uh, you know, one of which was catching up with my oldest friend, basically. Uh, I think literally my oldest friend, actually, that I'm not related to. <laughs> and we don't live too far apart from each other, but our schedules make us far apart from each other. Just like my schedule makes me far apart from a lot of people. And, you know, it just, you know, a night opened up. It's like, all right, let's kick it. He he's, doesn't have to get up early the next morning to, to paint. He runs his own business. Uh, and I'm usually down to kick it late. It, you know, I don't want to do it every single night, but on any given night, if I'm not doing it too much surrounding that, I got yeah, I got to take advantage to check in with my people. This is my people. This is, you know, it's family. So I'm down for staying up till three or four that night. Actually, that night that night was five. I heard birds chirping. I haven't had birds chirping <laughs> uh, since like October. Uh, that's not something I've, I've. I'm not. When I hear birds chirping, I get mad at myself. You're like, you should. You are not. This is the planet telling you you're supposed to be waking up now, jerk. There was a binge in my life. I did that all the time. <sighs> I've done it. I've, I've I've done it quite a bit. I've done it quite a bit. Ironically, if you can string them together, your body gets a little more adjusted to it. You might be getting better sleep, but it's still just not right when there's light pouring. Unless you're uh, that crazy midnight ER doctor that I've talked about a couple times on a mm-hmm. reality show who had who wears the welder's mask, pre- you know, goggles out to his Porsche with the 100% or 98% tint on it or whatever, and then he drives, you know, gets to, into his condo that's completely blacked out too. So unless you can really plan ahead to beat everything, you know, the, the, there's still going to be a little bit of light here and there. It just takes one little flash of sunlight to just disrupt your circadian mm-hmm. rhythms, and it's very hard to beat. I... I can't. I can't imagine having that kind of lifestyle to maneuver the sun. I do want to take that approach, and I have cultivated that pretty well when I stick to it. And I'm getting create. I'm getting more creative with it. That's the approach I want to take with food, and that's what I've been doing more or less. Other than when I don't, <laughs> but I'm still in between the crap. I'm still eating the healthy stuff and having the weird stuff. And people, well, people don't make funny faces at me anymore because most people that I'm surrounded by are used to it at this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just balance. Did I tie up all those loose ends with all that? There's anything else I left, I left off about that. It was good. Oh, well, you know, and then there was, uh, like a group social activity. It was cool. And then, uh, one of the other nights was, I mean, it was more socialization with a good buddy, and we did some, well, we were going to get together to do some literary workshopping. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, while we were socializing and doing our thing, we didn't end up talking a lot of, like, literary stuff and all kinds of stuff and culture and people and life and everything. And, you know, it was enriching, but as far as the literary workshop part of it, that was like the la- the three minutes at the end of the night before we passed out. Like, all right, I need to make sure you can read my handwriting because my handwriting is atrocious. <laughs> and he asked me to workshop one of his stories. And like when I was writing it, and I write fast, I I've, I just, uh, as I was writing it, I was like, okay, this is just going to be notes for me to tell him because there's no way he's going to be able to get through my hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Like this is just not going to happen. I think it, I'm pretty sure that's a sign of my brilliance, my messy handwriting. I guess you could say the same about like a two-year-old. I just write really small. Does that make you write neater? I guess so. Um, I don't have. I don't think I have terrible handwriting. I'm just always told when people see it, they're just like it's very small. <laughs> but if I concentrated, I could write really neat. Yeah. Like it's it's one of those things. If I took the time to make sure if I'm not scribbling, mm. I can write like pretty neat, at least cohesive to some people that I've seen. Mm. It's just uh, you know I try to write fast. I write so fast that um, my um, hand hurts most of the time. Yeah. So if I if I actually use the spaces like you're taught in school, Ooh. I can do it and at He's least. He's writing his it, name for me right now. It yeah. looks very legible. I can at least and do it's a it good legible. Side. Oh, he writes his A's like the typewriter types them. Check you out. Yeah, I think everybody has to put their own style into their writing. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says because I've been. I've seen literary things. I think my son was making his A's like that for a minute. I don't know if he still does or mm-hmm. not, but that's interesting. Like, even when, I don't know, it didn't make me so mad when I used to see girls, like, make their eyes with hearts. Because usually the girls that did that had a better personality 
than the other yeah. people that that I've noticed. I just I think mean, people that put their even even something simple like um, you know your writing. I think you can put your own twist on and make you unique and special in your own right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think that the and I think if I correct me if I'm wrong, you actually went to school for it. Yeah, I have a degree in writing. Sometimes it's a little, it's too much. Like, it seems more complicated to learn the things that you need to learn to do the proper way of writing mm-hmm. as it is the man. I mean, it can be kind of debatable, too, because, you know, I see stuff where I'm like, like, printed in, like, Hemingway. Where I'm like, that, shouldn't a comma be there? Like, where's the comma? Yeah. We're just leaving the comma out? And then I'm like, wait, that's a fragment. You, ha, what? You, so you know, and, and, and able to do whatever in you some wanted. cases they're breaking the rules, and in some cases, like maybe you don't need every, like, you know. I mean, as as a writer, so <coughs> school for language writing, does evolve. You look at stuff on like Facebook, Twitter, and social media. You must cringe. Not anymore. I mean, anymore. I was never super uptight about it. I um, I, I well, to a point when text messaging first started, I was not down. Now I love it. When emojis first started coming mm-hmm. around, I thought it was ridiculous. And mm-hmm. now I'm down. Oh, I love emojis. Yeah. Yeah. I well, love we've talked about this before. I mean, it's great yeah. because before it was hard to get any connotation in with text messaging. Now we well, now we are. Now we know we've figured out how to do that. And not just text messaging, but social media stuff and all kinds of stuff. And I'm I use it a lot for texting and for social media. I mean, it's useful. It's Delay. It's it, you know I talked about this a little while ago. I can't remember where I heard it. This isn't my original idea. Um, but uh, someone was saying, God, who the hell was it? It might have been someone on a podcast. It might have been someone on Joe Rogan's podcast. Maybe they were saying how amazing it is that these emojis in this text speak. Like we, this is the first. We're the we're, we right now are in the group of human beings that we are native speakers of a brand new version of english that no one had to teach us we just yeah. we just absorbed it and got it yeah. like this is being created right now it fascinates me that's that's amazing that is yeah, amazing um my biggest pet peeve on the whole text message and then social media thing was like you know the first i think the biggest one started with lol lol and that means laugh out loud and then of course you had lmao you had yeah when, when it was when it was still those first couple the first dozen but or whatever I, th- I thought it was so silly I can't tell you how many tweets or or messages or even text messages I get and people just get so lazy with their writing that they use those 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 first letters for like everything mm. like yeah uh, now lol is down to l <laughs> like 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 jw don't put it or or just like everything I mean some of them I'm just like I give up. Yeah. Cause B, I'm uh, like, let me Google your weird little word with no vowels in it. Well, there's like, yeah, there's like, like media members that'll put post stuff about something and mm-hmm. giving their opinion on something. And at the end, they'll put, you know, it'll be like four letters together, and I'll be like, <laughs> I'm standing, I'm just sitting there trying to comprehend it for like five minutes, and then I realize, why am I even trying to comprehend this? What really makes me mad is sometimes I'll get a text or whatnot, and there's a thing in it, and I don't. You know, I'm not a kid. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know everything as much as your average 18 year old would mm-hmm. these days. I know most of them, and uh, you, you know, in our industry, we're surrounded by a wide range mm-hmm. of age of ages. So I think I know. Pro- you know, we're probably down more than most people our age that aren't. Isn't it so? Weird at least the ones like that. At least the now? ones that aren't like creepy. <laughs> like, how does it make you feel now? Now we're, we're only not a little creepy. Like we're not considered old yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but compared to a lot of people we work with, mm-hmm. because now that we are in our mid thirties mm-hmm. and we work with a lot of young kids who are only in their mid or, or lower twenties mm-hmm. and I'm talking to them about things and they look at me like I'm crazy cause I'm bringing up things, but really I'm the one that's right. And I have so much more knowledge on a situation like sports. Like I'm trying to explain to these kids about, um, like, uh, okay, the NFL, they know everything. Dude, they know more about the NFL right now than I definitely mm-hmm. do or might ever have. Okay, but then I'm bringing up other topics like XFL. I'm like, you guys gonna get into the two new, you know, promotions that are coming out? Because I know Spring League. There, there's one. I forget who's the creator of that one, but there's a yeah, guy coming remember. out before. Yeah. Because they're trying to capitalize on NFL's down ratings, and then there's the XFL, and mm-hmm. they just thought the XFL was fake. And I'm like, oh, no, th- no, it's not fake. They're are they both in the off season? XFL is until like 2020. But it's gonna be in the off season, isn't it? 
I yes, can't remember. It is going to be and the other off one season. is the other, the other one. Being the off season too. That's right. I don't know much details That's about the other one, but the other one's strange. coming out first. I think I want to say the other one is trying to be a, like an end, like a, a, a feeder league uh, aside from the NCAA, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. They might not be and, saying that, or they might. Even if they are trying to do that, they still might not be trying to say that because uh-huh. you know NCAA. They might that might be like the mafia you're messing yeah, with and, there. And, I don't even I, know. When I, when I talk I'm to not these sure kids, how dirty that could get. And I'm trying no to idea. explain something like the XFL to them, and the only thing they're telling me is that it's fake. And I'm like, you never saw the XFL, did I mean, you? There are a lot of things about the NFL right now that are fake too, yes. buddy. That's why we don't watch it as but much. He as was we saying used because to. of That's Vince McMahon. Why we lost interest? It's not pure competition about, um, as much as it used to be. The only thing he knows about Vince McMahon is the fact that Vince McMahon uh, is the owner of the WWE. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to explain to these kids. I'm like, you guys really don't know who Vince McMahon is. He's one of the greatest promoters ever. Might mm-hmm. even be the greatest promoter ever. If you yeah. really look at what he's done. Probably. I mean, just this Sunday coming up, you know, I know a lot of people laugh about that product, but he sold out a stadium for like 75,000 tickets. And then the pay-per-views are going to be silly. Because, I mean, WrestleMania, a, a lot of people are still diehards. Yes. A lot of people that aren't diehards are still going to associate it with nostalgia, and they buy WrestleMania well, every year, even if they buy nothing else. It's not um, pay-per-views anymore. Oh, they, that's right. Vince McMahon's the first one with the... With the kahunas. They put all of his so stuff digital. So to watch WrestleMania, you have to subscribe to WWE Fight Network? Pass. Yeah, so instead of in years past when WrestleMania used to be like 50 bucks, you get it for $10 now. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So I guess he just he just runs the risk of people only subscribing for one month, but then it's mm-hmm. only 10 bucks. so how many of those people are just like, meh, Stay. we'll just leave it on. You know, if, you, if we leave it on for the whole year... WrestleMania would have been over half of that mm-hmm. cost anyway. He has like 2 million subscribers year. to that thing. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I don't think it's as successful as some pay-per-views do, but for a, bit, for a, a business stream. that was definitely dying in pay-per-view. Stream, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to explain to these kids. I mean, you really don't know who Vince McMahon is. And, and like a lot of their things, like when I bring up sports, like they just don't know anything unless it's on ESPN. And I used to be that guy. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm waiting. I, I want to. I don't know if I'll know these people in ten years, but I want to have another conversation with them ten years from now. You know, when they're burnt out from all the sports yeah. like we got. I mean, ESPN has its merits, but it's not where I prefer to consume much of my sports knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like when you find out things that are corrupt, or, or I mean, just the the way the the officiating goes. And mm-hmm. I've heard about they're introducing some more rule changes this year that just make it. I mean, they're really they're really trying to make it so offensive friendly, mm-hmm. and it's just it's going to be to the point where you can't you can't tackle each other, you know. Now you know it's I can't even remember the specific rule. I don't care that much because I was already I'm already like on the way out of of mm-hmm. the NFL, and this this just sounds un. It's basically something to do with you know run you know when you're tackling somebody. I don't know if it's out in the open field or just anywhere. Like you're not allowed. I mean, I know there was already a rule about tackling with the crown or your helmet, but like they've made it much, much more uptight where you really can't risk. Like it's it's going to be much. You base you're basically going to be able to throw a flag on every single play. Is what it sounds like to me. Um, you know, and that's why a lot of these mediocre quarterbacks nowadays are looking like superstars, and they're looking. Yeah. Great. So in a sense, I guess it's working. I mean, I mean look at Kevin it's, Cobb. It's working to a point. Look at your Super Bowl winner this year. You mean, I mean um, you mean um, Carson yeah. Wentz? No, 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 no. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Kevin. That's Co- it. It's funny. Kevin Cobb was the other Eagles quarterback who had one, one like just amazing season, or maybe it was only like five or six games, uh-huh. and then Arizona paid him franchise quarterback money, and he was he was poop. He yeah. was poop, and it's because. But the I teams- just feel like. Average quarterbacks are doing things nowadays, and records are being broken. And when you grew up in a different era, it's just like when you see a lot of these records broken, you're like, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy's really the record holder. I mean, it's it's just not the same. Yeah, it's not pure like it was. It doesn't seem like pure competition. It's, mm-hmm. it's too much in the – it's too – and even when they have these stringent rules – they don't enforce them consistently. And then there's too much technology in the games. I think the games have gotten longer. Because everything is a flag, a handkerchief, or an instant replay. Everything mm-hmm. is. It's like, where do we draw the line? When, I mean, games are just running so long. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. 
after every play, I want to be excited, but I always have to have that pause and be like, "Yep, is it real? You gotta wait. Are we uh, good? Uh, flag, 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 flag. No. no flag. No flag. And of course, I say it to this younger generation, and they just think I'm some bitter old hack. <laughs> like, what is he? He's just mad. I'm like, no. They think I'm mad just because like I'm a Ravens fan. And I'm like, no, guys. I just don't think you understand. Even when we're doing good, the Orioles just started. Um, yeah, I don't I think they don't. realize. Like, I'm I'm jumping on this MMA bandwagon mm. right now while it's still, in my opinion, I feel like. The MMA has been such under a microscope to where a lot of people were waiting for them to mess up. Mm. They were waiting for them to fail. They were waiting for them to get exposed. They were waiting for stuff to come out to really bury them because a lot of people was against it. Yeah, As much people that was for it was also against it, especially boxing and, 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 and pro wrestling with Vincent Mann. Just, uh, they used to call it human cockfighting. It did not have a good one. So I'm jumping on this bandwagon until I'm sure 10 years from now, some corrupt hands start getting in that, yeah, once and it starts turning it me starts away from that, hanky. too. And then I guess I'll have movies. Or soccer. Nope, I'll have no. movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I guess that's, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how recently we've discussed Healthy Living Easy, the segment slash theme we try to touch on regularly that speaks to streamlining healthy living food and physical activity within the busy crazy lifestyle and schedule that you know we all most of us have to rock these days and one of uh we're both here big fans of the Nutribullet I do one nearly every day I've had mine for a couple of years and I think I might have talked about this before but I really need to buy a new tumbler the base is fine the actual machine part but the tumbler with in the lid to the tumbler well it has separate lids but the lid is also the base with the blades in it mm -hmm. and everything and attached to the tumbler part there are three little prongs that push down into the base the mechanical part of it you push it down and twist them into into, into place to make it go and one of the three little plastic pegs broke off of my tumbler a long time ago and for a while, I was having to put the put you know put it in the base and then use something a fork, a flat end of another piece of silverware to push down the third prong to get it to go. I managed to I guess break down the will of my Nutribullet enough where if I do the two the two existing prongs that were left into the right two holes, it would go without me having to jam something into the other oh, wow. little spot and i've had that's that's what i've been rocking for a couple months during that time is when i found out about the class action lawsuit against mm -hmm. nutribullet i talked about it on here a couple times uh you can google it 22 people were sued nutribullet i don't really lend it too much credence supposedly it all it takes is either 22 idiots or it takes one idiot and then 21 people with a eye for a target or maybe all 22 I don't know. Who who knows? Who knows? I'm guessing they didn't use it properly. They overfilled the Nutribullet. It overheated. The you know the, I heard the of thing this. blew up. The the blade shot. Uh, uh, it sounds like the, the blade got someone in their palm and caused nerve damage. I'm pretty sure that they were using it incorrectly, and I never put too much dents. Most of my Nutribullets. Well, here for the healthy living easy aspect of this, as far away for a slightly step away from the TMZ side of things. Uh, you know, I got. Leafy greens, usually it's spring mix, romaine lettuce, strawberries, ginger, egg whites, cold-pressed olive oil, and water. That's my Nutribullet. I have that every day. I change it up a little bit. You want to have biodiversity. You don't want to have the same foods too much over and over again because your body will actually stop being as able to take from them what you need. You, you can get them used to good foods. So let's say it's good to have a good, you know, your your... Your meal should be a nice, healthy rainbow, especially when it comes to the vegetables. Have a wide variety of the different vegetables and all that, especially different colors. But you know, green's pretty, pretty important. So I don't. I, I've been. I've been a little concerned because I, you know, just in case it's something that does happen. And mine is a bit older, and I've been meaning to order this new piece, and I never remember it when I'm buying things online. I buy stuff online a little bit more than I used to. I've actually got some. Uh, Super healthy waffles come in from No Foods. I've mentioned that a time or two. Those are in the mail. They might be waiting for me when I get home tomorrow. Um, 
But yeah, no, no neutral bullet tumbler. Keep it out, out, out the window, out my head. Just I can't, I can't, I can't retain it. I'm never remembering it at the time I need to. I should write it down, but I'm not going to. At least not right now. Um, so in order to just, just to be extra safe, instead of pushing the thing down to activate it, I'll preset it so the tumbler is pushed down onto the base and it's ready to go. I put a wooden cutting board. I put it in the corner on the corner of my kitchen counter, and I put a big wooden cutting board up in front of it, and then I plug it in to turn it on and turn it off. I don't plug it to turn it off. So if the thing does explode, it'll be behind the wooden cutting board and it'll be a nasty mess. But I'm not going to lose any of my nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just had the second prong break off. <laughs> so now I need to order this thing tomorrow just because the thing's old too. Like it's still, you know, I try to, I try to eat and drink out of glass and, you know, ceramic porcelain, like that kind of, you know, normal plateware, try to avoid plastic and stuff and the the metal tumbler's plastic and i've been using the same plastic tumbler for years i never keep it in there i always pour it directly into a glass jar usually a spaghetti sauce jar that i've used for another healthy live an easy meal you know sometimes it's not so easy because it involves noodifying squash and it's a pain in the butt i might make that i might make my my, my spaghetti the next few days we'll see <laughs> God, it's such a pain in the butt, though. I almost want to pay triple for the squash and get it already noodled. But that seems dumb. But not completely dumb. We'll see what happens. Um, so now I've still tried to compromise. I still have the, the board set up. I can't plug it in and out to turn it on and off because now I have to, once again, use a implement to stick down the prong inside the base to get my food processor to puree my veggies. So uh, living a little dangerously with a Nutribullet these days if any of those 22 sewers are to be believed. But uh, it's not stopping me. I'm still doing it. I got some veggie smoothie upstairs in your fridge, bro. God, when you tell me about um, you're going to order something from, you're going to order that part from the Nutribullet, yeah. made me just remember, this is so irrelevant, but I just Sweet. ordered a toy for myself, which I plan on using this Saturday for the UFC. Hold on, we're trying to keep this PG. Oh, oh, oh! No. I get you, I get you, I get you. Well, <laughs> it, it's for a party. Um, I saw it on the uh, UFC, and it's the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I had to buy it. It was a thirteen ninety nine. Oh God! It's a UFC hot dog brander. <laughs> So, Saturday, let's test my brothers and see if they listen to this podcast. I plan on busting out that bad boy and telling them, don't worry about dinner, guys. I got it. So, I'm going to bring in eight hot dogs and put them on a hot dog roll and bring them down here on a platter. Wow. To get the UFC 223 festivity started because you can't watch UFC without having a UFC branded hot dog. I want to look. I'm looking forward to the instructions that come with it. Hold over stove i just hope i don't get too drunk one night and i brand it myself yeah i mean it's a brand it's you're like you know i don't have any tattoos yeah <laughs> so i'm trying to be creative when i get this thing it says it's a hot dog brander let's see just what we can brand with this thing <laughs> that's funny that's crazy man yeah it'd be, it'd be god It'd be hard to not use it on another person. <laughs> Surprise! Tattoo! Hey, Vince, like, uh, Tattoo! You got Max Holloway, I got Khabib. Yeah. Loser has to get branded by a hot dog brander on his arm. Wow. After... I think I'm going to take this thing everywhere with me. I hope <laughs> it opens beers. What? I hope it opens beers. Uh, I hope there's a way I can use it to at least open bottles with it. Probably. I'm excited. Just if you brand it on your face, don't put it in the center of your face. Yeah. All right, let's talk nicotine patches. This is from the archives, the journals. And already as I already touched on, I want to retain control of my faculties and my thought processes. We all do. We want to be in control of our own destiny as much as we can. We don't want chemicals sneaking in and making us think we're making our own decisions when we're really not so much Mm -hmm. and one of the things 
about sleep deprivation and things like nicotine and even like the processed foods and the garbage, they do seep into your brain and prevent it from functioning 100%. And this will not only if, I mean, I'm not sure if all, all of these things will prevent your body from not carrying out its biochemical processes that regulate what's going on throughout your entire body from the brain. You know, they can also just make you prone to depression and prone to anger. And I really, you know, going through nicotine withdrawal, trying to, even when I wasn't going through withdrawal, when I was still just vaping and I didn't, you know, I haven't, you know, I, I didn't, I was, I've, I haven't really been into smoking cigarettes, but I got into the little vape sticks and not, not the, not the, the rig. Like I never had anything where I had to change coils and prompt the primer bulb or whatever. Like those things seem like, sometimes they seem like they're so elaborate. I just imagine people just pulling a ripcord like it's a chainsaw. Just all right, it's going. Like it's just I, you know, and you know, I've indulged in those here and there. I've never owned one on my own. I've considered getting one back in the day. I fortunately decided not to because it just seemed like such a dumb thing to invest in. But I would get the little like the views things from Seven Eleven. Real simple, real easy. Just new cartridges. Still, when you end up seeing a big pile of them and you look here, and like every single one of those costs me three dollars and fifty cents. Like I am a dummy. It's not like the cigarettes which just leave the little the little vape cartridges. Like they can stick around and mock you. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, I mean, you're, you're when you are doing nicotine, it is rewiring your brain to make you want more nicotine. It really, literally, that's it what is. that is. What is going on? It's rewiring your neural pathways, I mean, and you need that. We talked about and this. And so, even if you go, you know, and it, depending on how much, you, and those little those little things have really high concentrations of nicotine in them. They're, the one benefit that the one reason I was thinking about getting the rig is because you can you have a lot more options, and you can get stuff with no nicotine or very little nicotine. But if you're trying to do the convenient Seven Eleven jobs like I do, it's it's jacked it is mm-hmm. jacked because they want you buying those things over and over again they want you to go through a cartridge a day it's basically like a pack a day i think and i got to a point where i was just sick of it i mean it's fun having that little indulgence but it's also you realize how dumb it is and it gets you gets you gets you cranky because if you you know if you're hitting it a lot and then a couple hours passes something will make you more angry than it should and I realized that because when I weaned off of them and eventually quit, I did it with nicotine patches. And so then it is just, you know, that steady release of the chemical and it's not spiked and up and down and it's enough to keep in. I just, I felt like such a calm. I just felt so calm. Things didn't, the, the things, you know, working in the restaurant, when if I was, if I got, you know, no tip or a bad tip, especially on someone that was more work, when I was going, when I was vaping, and there was no nicotine patch attached to me, I just, especially near the end of the night, I just remember it just getting me so. I would just get so, I was just so mad, so indignant. Just, you know, I'm a human being. Like, who do you think you? Well, why do you think that this is okay? This is not like what, 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 like that. Like, I just, I really just, it, you know, I have a very strong moral ca- compass, a very strong sense of justice. At least I try. Pretty sure I do. And so, you know, when I see people mistreating each other, it offends me, even if it has nothing to do with me. And now I got this person that I was just their servant. And, well, not quite. I don't, I don't get, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't get the servant status, but you know what I mean. And then they're just nothing. Like, I'm not even there. It's like, hello, you wouldn't have got that stuff that you spent all your money on if I wasn't here to bring it to you. Now I got to, and, you know, and us, like most restaurants, we have to pay a percentage of what we are perceived to earn to hosts and bussers and the auxiliary staff. So I paid I paid for this experience. I pay, You're the one who's supposed to pay me, and I paid. And with the vape and no nicotine patch, like, I, that could re, it, it could really just irritate me, and it really could stick with me and just throw hissy fits and tantrums and just, well, not, well, sometimes, but not, not even that has been a while since I've done anything too bad like that. But, uh, and with the nicotine patch, I'm just like more able to just be like, I know this is the deal. You know, it's the numbers game. This is just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to happen. The percentage of the people are going to be like this. And, you know, part of it is kind of thing that makes me think like, all right, if I am going to keep a toe in this industry for the foreseeable future, do I want to go to a nicer place where I'm guaranteed, a, well, not guaranteed, but it's more, more assured that I'm going to be paid for every single interaction. But what's great about this now, where we are, 
we have more opportunities to make up for that. Whereas in a fine dining or kind of place like that, like you don't get as many opportunities to make up for the bad tips because there still will be some. And then there's the, the fact that it's fine dining, and I don't know if that atmosphere really speaks to my nature. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. It depends on the place. It depends on the food. The food is what would bring me into a fine dining place, which is one, you know, I'm not in a hurry. You know, if I'm going to stay in restaurants, or I got a pretty, pretty sweet gig as far as that goes. But the one thing that would get me out of there is if I found, you know, a place that was selling really, really healthy food. And that's still not easy because, I mean, even the places that – there's a couple of places that supposedly sell, you know, farm fresh to table, blah, 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 blah. And it's still like a lot of food that I wouldn't you eat. It's still – I mean, the, 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 the you know, I'm not going to name it, but I'm thinking of a place right now that it's, 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 it's known for that. And I know it's supposed to be really good, high-quality food. And it's not going to be messed with. But it's still good. There's still – it's still a lot of like sugary garbage. It's you healthily made sugary garbage. You make it yourself. That too. Unless you literally watch the person. Well, if you have a lot of people that are well-to-do and in good shape and on strict diets and they're going to these places and they're relying on them to have these things, if they don't have those things, those people, their bodies might tell them. Like if I'm eating super healthy and then I'm going to eat something, you tell me it's one thing and it's actually got a bunch of garbage in it, uh, there's a pretty decent chance I'll be able to, to feel it. Maybe not mm-hmm. right away or maybe right away. You know, I mean, it de- I guess it depends what it's we're talking about. It's amazing when you watch somebody that eats clean. Mm-hmm. For a couple of weeks, and then mm-hmm. they go eat something like a McDonald's or or eat Done. Like, like some deep fried chicken. Done. Watching their reaction to it and how their their stomach and everything reacts mm-hmm. is just amazing to me. It's yeah, crazy. Oh, and with the nicotine patches. Okay, so it was in this one specific instance. It was three days I'd been using a nicotine patch. I'd used up the vape that I had, but on the fourth day. It was – I was going to be – and I still had the – like I was planning on weaning off completely. Like I'm not – I wasn't planning on continuing with the nicotine patches. I was just trying to do them enough where I was done. But on the fourth day, I had uh, some socializing that was going on and up late and I was going to do a little bit of drinking and I wanted to – and I had managed to by accident because I didn't really notice it. I had managed to go most of the day without putting any nicotine patch on and I was like – I think I'd be able to last another few hours and not get sick. Like, I want to vape. But so I went the rest of my shift without uh, without getting any nicotine. And, like, near the end of the night, I had something like what I was talking about was a bad tip or, uh, like, a bunch of, like, you know, a bunch of what was supposed to be clean steak knives for the breadboards, you know, the bread that we served to the tables at the beginning of the meal, a bunch of the, that, that little bucket of steak knives. I pulled out like three, four in a row that had like a piece of cheese melting on them or something. And it's just like, you can do $7 million restaurant. Like, what are we doing here? Like, why, 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 Another one of those, like, why mm-hmm. holes. <laughs> it's a, instead of a K-hole, like you're doing ketamine, the nicotine withdrawal gives you a Y hole. It's just, why, 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 why is this? What, 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 what are we doing here? Like, Bush League punks? Like, what is going on? Like, we're supposed to be professionals, right? Like, what are we, what are we talking about? And, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm throwing a steak knife. I may or may not have thrown a steak knife. So <laughs> that's because of the nicotine. It's because of the nicotine withdrawal. If I had that patch on me and, you know, a week later, if I didn't have any nicotine at all affecting my system at all, I'd be like, ah, this is how it is. You know, it's, we're, you know, we're almost closed. More of these things are going to happen. You just got to clean it or get mm-hmm. a, get a, get a one that's clean and that's just the date that's just what it is you're more accepting of what is yeah um these things don't bother you i can't speak too much on the nicotine because i i am a former smoker mm-hmm. uh but when i smoked i was very young okay um really it was like a high school that's thing really how you should do it mm-hmm. <laughs> really it was i think it actually started in middle school i started here and there i nice. i now call cigarettes cools Oh, that's you know there so is a brand, funny. but that's exactly why I did it. When I was in, it started in like seventh grade. I would take a drag of off some ice cigarette here or there. <laughs> Eighth grade, it was like if I got a pack of cigarettes, that was like I was like this rebel. I was this cool kid or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. And then um, as I got through high school, I started smoking more regular. And then it really wasn't until I was about. 18 years old when I could buy them because my parents were the type my mom she would never accept me when I was under 18 smoking cigarettes uh, when she got set when I got hit 17 she tolerated it hmm. but she said I don't want to see you doing it and I'm not buying them for you hmm. um so it was like one of those things where I always had to sneak it I mean I remember being on the playground 
<laughs> and I'm taking two pieces of mulch because my mom has such a sensitive nose, and I'm squeezing the cigarette in between the two pieces of mulch so all that smoke isn't getting on my my, my uh, fingers. Wow. And I'm, I'm smoking. And then, um, of course, when I hit 18 years old, I started picking up smoking full time. Uh, and even then, my mom was like, look, if you smoke, I just appreciate if you didn't do it in front of me. She accepted it, but she was like, whatever. You know, I got lectured about it all the time. But from 18 till I was about 19 and a half, I was truly, I got addicted. Mm. Um, I was up to two packs of cigarettes a day, actually. You and, do not mess around. <laughs> um, well, it, it was that was at the end. Yeah, It was almost two packs a day, it felt, because I was working a job where it was in a restaurant and I was a cook. I got my breaks through smoking cigarettes, mm. and I was drinking a little heavier at the time, and I don't know if any, I'm sure you know this, when you drink, you smoke. Mm. Um, there's something about that cigarette with your beer or with your whiskey. I remember, like, if you were a smoker, you always smoked more when you drank. Well, that's what I was talking about. Like, I, you know, I decided to skip the patch that one day and vape mm-hmm. that night because I knew I'd be drinking, and... I wanted. I just. I like the ritual. Yeah, it's part of it. Um, my other hardest and the one chemical sensation, of course, was um, when I was driving. For some reason, when I was driving, it's like I was relaxed and I wanted a cigarette at all times. So my car was filled with ashes. <laughs> um, but when I quit, and I was only off and on for about four years, and mm. more off than on. You know, really, it was only like a a year, year and a half where I was generally like, you know, I was smoking cigarettes every day. Mm. I was in that routine. I was getting through them, and then I was getting almost two packs a day, and that's when I realized quick. Like, it was only like a week or two, and I was like, I got to stop because I have a problem. It still was, to this day, I remember being one of the hardest things to do, and I couldn't even imagine Mm. if I was a smoker for five years, Mm. ten years. Or even 20 years. I can't even imagine how hard that is. Because after just about that genuinely like year and a half of being a pure smoke, you know, being a tobacco user. Mm. And I don't know if it's the chemicals they put in cigarettes you buy. I used to smoke Marlboro Menthol Lights. Mm. Um, Chemicals don't help. Yeah, man. I mean, they had a lot of chemicals to it, but I'm sure some of those chemicals are most likely designed to be addictive. And I just remember the last time I ever smoked a cigarette, because I went ahead and I quit cold turkey. Mm. And boy, did I gain a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, Not only was I eating a lot, I was just fidgety. I couldn't sit still. It literally overtook my body. And then one night, the last cigarette I ever had, one night at work, it's hard to explain this feeling that was coming over me. Because it was almost like I was blacking out. But I was fiending for a cigarette so bad. That literally, I had to bum one off somebody. This is after four days of not smoking a cigarette. I ran outside. I lit it. I smoked half that cigarette. Wow. It cured whatever, like, freak out, like, withdrawal I was going through. But I remember throwing that cigarette down and saying, never again. Yeah. And I haven't touched one since. Nice. Um, But I just remember how hard it was. Even after that, it took me a couple days. It was like two weeks. I really had to adjust. Yeah, and it was it was not easy at all, and and I I sympathize with people that try to quit, and it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the tobacco companies do, especially with the cigarettes you buy over the counter. Mm. But I, there's something it's it's terrible. It's disgusting. I mean, it's different. It is different. It's a very specific thing. I mean, it's not even the same as hand rolling tobacco cigarettes because I've done both. Mm-hmm. And I know there's just something magical about that prepackaged Marlboro Camel mm-hmm. thing. Like it is, it is. It's the stuff they put in. They're mm-hmm. actually literally putting stuff in it to make it more addictive. Mm-hmm. And it's it's disgusting. And um, I, I just I, I really sympathize with anybody that 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 tries to quit. I mean, I did it. I know I'm a strong-minded person when I want to be, though. Mm. Um, but it was. I mean, I it just it really was, man. It was hard. Yeah. I couldn't believe how hard that was. All right, well, I think that's enough healthy health talk. Let's move on to uh, dessert. I already uh, ran down my credentials at the beginning, so we'll just get right into it. We're going to talk about Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's latest film. So I take it that was a good movie. It was a very good movie. I was this close to going to see that this weekend, but me and Gabby was like, you know what? Hmm. I'll wait a week, see what the reviews are. We're waiting for movies to come out. Yeah. Because uh, we, we had the time. We got off on a night. Um unexpectedly i think she came home early work was slow yeah and we were like hey let's we got to take advantage no kids let's go do something mm-hmm. and um we looked at all the movies and i was this close to, 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 to just 
caving in and be like, why don't we just go give Player Ready 1 a chance? Because it is Steven Spielberg. Doesn't look like a bad movie. It looks different. Why don't we just well, go Steven give it a Spielberg shot? Well, the Steven Spielberg question can... I mean, that can, that can also make you take pause because sometimes these guys, they get a little too comfortable. Like, the movie that he got nominated for all kinds of Oscars this year, but nobody really gave a damn about was the post and i don't give a damn because mm-hmm. it just looks like i mean it's kind of like another martin scorsese movie at this point it's like i'm i'm kind of over it like your heyday was a while ago i think uh i can't even tell you the last movie spielberg did before the post i'm not sure i don't know i, I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head i mean it might be pretty recent really i i am not sure you know i could be wrong here it could be something pretty good but i worry about these guys they just get a little too comfortable and so they don't really have to stretch the genre or whatever but this was uh this was an excellent movie it takes place in 2049 i believe um it's you know dystopian post-apocalyptic almost kind of thing you know i can't wait to see 2049 and what it is everybody's it's interesting take on things and you know a lot of really cool little details about how those Mm -hmm. people are living their lives i mean there's basically two worlds similar to a matrixy kind of thing but you know the the real world that everybody's living in you know most of the people are they're they're living in squalor there are they call them the stacks they have it's like trailer parks, but the trailers are stacked on top of each other mm-hmm. also. So it's just really high, densely populated areas like the poorest parts of India or something like that. Which is as many bodies on top of each other. You don't need... We actually started reading the book after the movie. And in the book, they talk about how sometimes these things don't even support themselves. And they'll just collapse because it's just like a giant shanty town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wade Watts is the main character the played by the guy who played reed richards in the fantastic four remake and he was also in the drumming the acclaimed drumming movie that had jk simmons in it a few years ago mm-hmm. oh god what, I, I keep trying to say drumline but that is definitely not the movie i'm thinking of um all right i'm gonna look up homeboy's name that's what i started to do so the so most people are the you know the re, the real the real world is rough there the, what is he there's a quote here something about how you know wade wade watts the narrator the main character reed richards said he lived in a time when people you know event he said eventually people stopped trying to fix problems just outlived them and people do so by plugging into what is called the oasis which is more or less the internet and it's just a virtual virtual world games within a larger i guess just digital platform you know just Mm -hmm. a a digital world where everybody can go hang out there's all kinds of different games and competitions and stuff i mean Uh, that sounds like the future yeah yeah uh, you know that most people spend as much time as they can in there and it's not you know it's even it's interesting because you know they really do extend the metaphor of how the life the lives that we're living now. Like everybody's looking at the screens, everybody's tuned to the digital thing, and of course they take it to the next level where you know and they everybody's got a visor and a pair of gloves, and that and that lets them interact with everything that's going on. Some of the more you know later you see he gets his hands on a full body suit where you can experience everything that's going on Mm -hmm. and everybody's just trying to escape from the crap reality and play in the video games as much as possible in the video world as much as they can they show you know grown grown mothers doing it and sort of neglecting their kids while they're standing on the couch doing whatever they're doing like everybody all walks of life it's gotten past the point like you know the world that we're living in right now you're not going to run into too many like 40 50 year olds that are into that i mean plenty of people our age because we grew up with it but in in this world everybody is down and the there's two creators of the oasis the main creator is this dude james holiday and his death in the beginning of the movie is what really sets everything in motion because he says that he left an easter egg in somewhere in the oasis and whoever finds that easter egg gets uh his fortune and control of the oasis so they basically become more or less the most powerful person in the planet and so and he also he he was all about equality equality of the people and of the masses and it's very interesting he, you know his character comes up i don't know the actor that plays him 
the other creator of the game is this guy Murrow, who was played by Simon Pegg, who did an excellent job. You know, he's always good. You know, he was, of course, Shaun of the Dead, and he was Scotty in the Star Trek reboot, and he's in the Mission Impossible movies now, too, I think. And I think he might be running around the Marvel Universe somewhere, too, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, you know he, he, he wanted it, you know, Halliday's character wanted it to so that anybody could get it just you know you don't need because people would have money and spend their money and have a better experience in the oasis or poor people can have you know beat up gloves and secondhand visors and they can still have fun inside the thing and there's still enough other stuff to do that doesn't cost money necessarily and this easter egg thing james halliday wanted it for for anybody who with the skill to be able to to get it again that might be something that was explicitly stated in the book and not in the movie or a couple chapters into the book because uh, my son enjoyed the movie so much and it made him want to read it so right. there's something else to be said for it he hasn't asked me to get him too many books um, and so they're called egg hunters and in the book they're called gunters and I don't know if gunter is another phrase that made it into the movie or not but it ended up becoming a lifestyle and so not only, now now human beings have a real tangible reason to consider it a career to be running around the oasis and looking for stuff and uh just a you know a lot of a lot of a lot of really cool stuff a lot of really cool stuff going on they had a, <clears throat> the, the the rights to a lot of pop culture pop culture entities like the you know the back to the future delorean is all over the previews and that that was a excellent race scene early in the movie in the first act the race scene where he's you know our main character is rocking the delorean and it's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. King Kong is some, is is part of that race, trying to mess up your time, and hmm. you know all the other different different people racing you as well. And I was when I saw previews for this movie, I was worried that the video game thing would be a little too much for me because I was worried that you know because the the you know the, the the main character is an avatar for a lot of the movie, and it's a very obvious video game avatar. It's not like a computer animated human as you would try to do. Well, maybe it is. I guess it depends on what movie you're trying to make. But I was worried it would be too much. But and he does spend. They do spend a lot of time in the Oasis, so you are watching, you know, essentially cartoons for a lot of this movie. But they balanced. I think Spielberg really did a masterful job balancing all the different aspects of this movie. As far mm-hmm. as as far as how cartoonish these characters look in and of themselves, that that balance worked out real nicely. And as far as how much time you spend watching those characters versus their real life counterparts, like just a, really had a lot of, a lot of stuff to juggle. And it was a very very tight, excellent movie. And I was very satisfied with it. Mm, let's see if there's anything else really worth saying. Well, I haven't really been watching much movies. Right. Let me at least uh, let me let me throw out the the dude's name. What's the dude? What's homeboy's name? Come on, man. What's your name, bro? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Well, what were you saying? You ever watched too many movies? I haven't been watching too many movies lately, but I did one night. I had a very restless night, and I stayed up and I marathoned. Ty Sheridan is Parzival, the main character. Did an excellent job. Olivia Cook as Artemis was great. Lena Waith as H was great, and that was T.J. Miller as Irock. He's a uh, he's a <coughs> villain who you almost 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 like anti. Well, I don't know. I don't want to give too much away, but great movie, real good. Spielberg killed it. So what? Sorry. No, I was saying that um, on a restless night, I stayed up all night and I marathoned the show. Um, I watched the whole season. I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary um, 60 Days In. No. It's where you take regular civilians and they voluntarily sign up for the correctional officers for, you know, the state and the commissioner to um, be jailed for 60 days. Go right in as if as if they have, you know, they come up with their own cover stories they go in and just and they get treated. Nobody knows it. Nobody. None of the uh, correctional officers that work there. None of the inmates, of course, Jesus. obviously. And it records them being in jail for sixty days. Do you know what jail it is? Did you say? Uh, the last one was in Atlanta, and the so one they before do a that. Different one each time. They did two different ones, and they did two different stints of each. I can't remember what state the first one was in, but then they went to one that was a little more harsh in Atlanta. Wow. And that's the one I just got done watching it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's reality television. It was interesting. It's, it's definitely insight. Um, 
that just does not look like a place I ever want to be. Why would you want to do that? And I, I, I couldn't help but be hooked to it. I guess they just want to get on TV. Like, that's crazy. I'm sure that they didn't state, but they signed contracts to go in there. And I think you had to finish your whole 60 days. Um, I'm sure they got a paid good money because they were also in there like one. Okay, this this one season four is what I watched. One of the participants was a cop. One of the participants was a young lesbian female, um, black, African-American. Another one was a social worker. Uh, another one was a black young male who who wants to speak out for young black males. He's he's a That's he's a social worker, uh, uh, you know, real 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 advocate. I mean, um, seemed like a good dude. Um, That's interesting. You have uh, former um, correctional officers. You have uh, I'm trying to remember everybody else that was in there. Just a wide variety of people. One used to be a priest for the prison. Wow. And then his son. Was it uh, insightful? I mean, it really should. I'll tell you one thing. It definitely taught me I don't ever want to go to jail. Yeah. That is not a place you want to be. Um, the dude who played Omar from The Wire, uh, who's also – God, I can't remember his character from uh, Boardwalk. He's doing a show with HBO slash Vice because he – I mean, he's phenomenal. He was like the best part of The Wire probably. One of the best parts of Boardwalk too probably actually. Pretty much one of the best parts of anything he's ever in. And, uh, I mean, he's, I guess he's saying that he grew up in, you know, the rough neighborhood <laughs> and he's trying to showcase that with, I guess, I, I only saw like a brief glimpse of it, but it definitely looks worth looking into just the trying to help people not do that, mm-hmm. not end up where they are. And well, follow, I think he's, I think he's, you know, going to be following kids or showcasing kids that are going through that stuff and mm-hmm. People in, that are like in, you know, locked up or whatnot. Oh, well, it is not a life to live. And the biggest thing I took away from it is the problem we have that I just saw from the. Obviously, a lot of these people that are going in there, they're the ones with the serious problems and mm-hmm. what's wrong with the country. And from what I saw, it was either addiction problems mm-hmm. or gangs. Mm-hmm. That was the number one and two thing I right. saw. That's crazy. Well, we'll solve all that next time. We love you guys and girls. Peace. <laughs>